Hello and welcome to the Brain Care Podcast, a practical and impactful series of snappy episodes on how to optimize your mental health and performance so you can reach your full potential. My name is Dan Murray-Serta and I'm the co-founder at Heights. We make smart supplements and clever content with the world's leading experts to help you take care of your brain so it can take care of you. Dr. Carl Hart joins us on the Brain Care Podcast once again to discuss his research on drugs. Now, he is a professor of neuroscience and psychology at Columbia University. And in the last episode, we discussed the impact that illegal, well-known drugs have on our brains. And this episode, we're actually going to discuss the impact that the limits upon our freedom as a consequence have on the experience itself and how such limitations also affect our brains too. So, Carl, thank you so much for coming back. Let's get straight to it. Drugs are bad, is the general statement in society. You beg to differ from scientific reasoning. So can you summarize your findings that prove this thought completely wrong? Yeah, the, the, the thing that I like people to understand is that drugs are not good or bad. They're just inert substances waiting for a biological system to interact with. So the effect is largely dependent upon the environment and the individual. And so to say, it's like saying cars are bad, cars are evil. That's, that would be stupid. But we do that with drugs, which is stupid. Uh, and so when we think about drugs and their, the effects that they have on people, we're talking about cocaine, heroin, methamphetamine, these types of drugs, marijuana, um, they largely are, they're used as tools and people use them uh, oftentimes effectively to feel better, to uh, increase social interactions, to uh, be more empathetic, to increase energy, a wide range of things. Now, it's true uh, there's a potential for like negative effects. For example, you, uh, people worry about toxicity, neurotoxicity, drug is causing brain cell death. That certainly has been shown with the amphetamines, especially at large doses given to non-tolerant animals. But those doses are 10, 20, 40 times what humans take and in non-tolerant animals. Um, when you make the animal tolerant, you don't see those toxic effects. And so our focus on like these animal results that are not relevant, uh, that do not translate to the human condition. I mean, it's interesting to know that, of course, but when you try to extrapolate it to the human condition, that's irresponsible. Um, because now you are uh, unnecessarily frightening the population about an effect that won't happen. The bottom line is that humans know that they can harness the effects of drugs to get the beneficial effects, um, just like they can harness the uh, beneficial effects of driving an automobile to get the necessary effects, to get the desired effects. The same is true with drugs. I completely agree. I, I mean, the war on drugs has been a colossal failure. I think that's completely true. Um, whilst we're not really here to talk politics on the Brain Care podcast, it is all un about understanding how uh, to make our brains better. Like, whilst we explored what happens in our brains with certain drugs last time, can we talk about what happens to our brains as a consequence of this fear, shame, guilt and criminal criminality, criminal aspect to hiding the use of drugs? Uh, you know, there's no real work addressing that issue because it doesn't really fit into our desired sort of uh, political position or our political position. That is, drugs are bad. 
That's it. It's not the fact that you are causing people to be paranoid, suspicious, uh, to engage in panic behavior that uh, oftentimes is far worse than the drug effects themselves. So people haven't studied that, but you can imagine if you're risking going to jail, you can really imagine how paranoid someone will get. And, and that sort of suspicion, paranoia, decreases our sort of trust of other individuals. It causes these weird interactions with people. Um, uh, and that's not good for any society. But I just want to say that the war on drugs has not been a failure because that would be a mistake to say that. The war on drugs has been a tremendous success for a small group of individuals. And that's why it continues. Politicians, the war on drugs is a wet dream. Uh, because politicians, all they have to say is we're going to get drugs off the streets, hire more police. That Those results are fast. You can get people arrested easily and you can show your confiscation of some amounts of drugs. Look like you're making progress. That's so cheap. But politicians, they benefit. Folks who are hired in law enforcement, they benefit. The prison industry benefits. The people who do drug treatment benefit. All of these folks who do urine testing, they benefit. It's us, the society that's suffering. Uh, but for those other individuals, oh, they're making out like bandits. And, and that's why the war on drugs continues, because the war on drugs is, in effect, a jobs program. And I think this is the thing that you really uncover in your book, which is um, if you were an irresponsible adult before taking drugs, you're an irresponsible adult after taking drugs. And if you were responsible before taking drugs, you're probably still responsible after taking them in most cases, right? So it like it's the same thing with a car. You get in the car irresponsible, you're going to drive it irresponsibly. Absolutely. Uh, and we, set, we see some people in our societies who are suffering and they're, they may have unstable housing, uh, they may be unemployed, and they may also use drugs. And one of the things that society has done, including the progressives, especially the progressive, they say, well, you know, like these people, you see the results of drugs. That's not the results of drugs in many cases. It's the results of people having co-occurring psychiatric problems, people having all of these other problems that we should help with. Uh, but we attribute it to drugs because it's an easy scapegoat. Never mind the person has no uh, housing. Uh, never mind the person has limited education. Never mind the person has like caught hell for much of their life, which we should help with. But we shouldn't be blaming drugs for that. And, and so like, when we, we pat ourselves on the back when we have supervised consumption facilities and then we're like, hey, you see this? And that's not that person's primary problem. If they have to go to a public space to inject or use drugs, their primary pro problem is that they don't have housing. Why not give them housing? Um, and, and so that's where the focus should be. Um, and we get it twisted all the time in our society. As this is the Brain Care Podcast, I'd love to uh, to finish off the episode by understanding how you take care of your own brain in your own life. And uh, and with pleasure, obviously, include your own drug use as part of that, because this is going to be the most unique answer I expect us to get. Well, uh, I don't know if it's unique because I, I do the basics. Uh, the most important thing I, I tell people is sleep. 
Uh, make sure you get eight and more hours of sleep every night. If you can't, you know, try and make up when you can. That will take care of so many problems if you sleep well. Uh, eat well. You have to make sure that you eat nutritiously. Like, for example, if you use opioids, really have to be cognizant of the fact that you may get constipated. So increase the amount of fiber in your diet. If you're not doing that, that's going to be problems for the brain and everything else. And uh, stimulants. If you're using stimulants, uh, they will decrease your food intake. Uh, and eating well is so important. So make sure that you're tending to your calories, the nutrition that you're taking in. Make sure you are getting sufficient amounts of water. I drink 64 ounces of water every day. I have uh, my green smoothies every day. My diet is filled with beans and nuts and that sort of thing. Uh, I try and exercise at least four or five times a week um, to make sure that I'm healthy. And all of this also increase the likelihood that my, my drug effects will be uh Great. And then because I won't be tired, I'll be well rested. Uh, I'll be uh, nutritiously in shape. Um, so all of these sorts of things I, I do to try and take care of myself because, you know, people are waiting for something negative to happen to me as a result of my drug use. And it's like, it ain't going to happen. You know, I've been doing this for years and uh, I know the most important thing is to make sure that I take care of myself and my family. Yeah, exactly. And for you, you know, brain care is self care. And I think the fact that you use your you you talk about um, how your drug use is a hobby, not a habit. And I think that's really important. Yeah, I, I don't know what people mean by that. You know, nobody would say like, your sexual interact, your sexual behavior is a hobby, not a habit. That's, that's silly. You know, it, it's just any, like any other behavior. It's functional. I use it for various sort of uh, effects. Um, and just like with sex, you know, you increase intimacy. Uh, same thing with drugs. Um, um, your driving is a hobby, not a habit. That's some silly shit when people start saying that kind of thing. Very fair, very fair. Okay, great. So basically, long story short, if you are going to explore the responsible side for responsible adults of taking drugs, then ultimately, it all comes down to knowing your facts, having enough sleep, eating well and staying hydrated for the optimal life experience. And therefore, you'll be looking after your brain, whatever happens. Absolutely, man. And also, if you can, please seek out people who look good, look like they're taking care of themselves and so forth, and they're doing this activity too, because they might have some clues, some secrets that can help you as well. And that's one of the sort of negative impact of, of our sort of current uh, regulating of these drugs or restricting these drugs or banning these drugs, that we can't seek out people who are doing it well. Yeah, I mean, just on, on that point, I remember in your book, you know, talking about how many people on your travels you've met who are the unsuspecting, so to speak, but totally suspecting, you know, your normal middle class people across cultures and societies all over the world who are doing it, but doing it in shame and fear and hiding. That's right. Uh, that's the thing that really concerns me is that people who are doing it in shame and fear and they have been vilified. I, I mean, that's what I feel worth. Uh, that, that makes me feel awful. And then there are a lot of sort of middle class privileged people who um, uh, don't come to the defense of these people. And they're doing the same thing. And they are cowards. Um, that disturbs me more than anything. Uh, you people can come out and in defense of those people in a variety of ways. 
you don't necessarily have to come out in this public way. Come out to your friends, your social circle, your family. But we have to change this. We really have to change it because these folks who are identified as drug users, they oftentimes are just seeking to feel good. And who's not for that? Who can be against people feeling good? Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brain Care Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and follow us at Your Heights on Instagram and Twitter for daily doses of brain care. If you want to know more about how well you're feeding your brain, you can head to yourheights.com forward slash brain food to get your free score from one to 100 and start taking action from there. See you next week. Mm-hmm.